Hello, Texans, and welcome to the Barrel Boy and Banker, where we are doing Texans All Access tonight. We are in London. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you, and the place is rocking. I mean, Ooh. rocking with Texans fans, and we're shooting some of this for HoustonTexans.com and yep. the Texans mobile app and wherever else we go with video, right? Yeah, absolutely. It, Mark, it has been indescribable today in London, and then we, after a two-and-a-half-hour Uber ride, yeah, we get in here, the Barrel Boy and Banker, and we walk in, and it's like conquering hero Mark Vandermeer has arrived. And I mean, he <laughs> no, grabbed the mic. Us. He grabbed the mic, and this place went berserk. It was absolutely awesome. The fans are jacked up. Here's what I love. You asked this question, which I thought was great. You were like, "How many of you are from Europe and are Texas fans?" And there were, I mean, a dozen hands I saw go up. And then oh, you yeah. said, how many of them were from Houston and the place lit up? And then how many are from different country or from different areas, not Houston, they're Texas fans. And then there are people from all over the place. All this over. place is jam-packed all the way through. This is awesome. Yeah, we've got, I mean, the fans here, Debbie the Texans is, is of course, here. Debbie yep. the Texan. Yep. And, you know, so many of our Texans fans that we see at Fuddruckers right. on Tuesdays, exactly. like Bobblehead Mark and Jan and Claire yep. and Debbie and, I mean, everybody – and it's fantastic to see that. But, Johnny, you're right. Europe, so many people from Germany have yeah. said hello to me. Yep. And they want an NFL game in Germany. Oh, I'm yes. up for that. Let's because do it. NFL Europe was huge in Germany. It just fit. And after a while, that league, the survival was really based on the German economy helping yeah. it out. <laughs> uh, so you have that. Johnny, a few people from Iceland just said hello to me. They've come in from Iceland, and I think we need a game in Reykjavik. Oh, maybe wow. Not. But My son wants to go to Iceland so badly. And so when we were flying in <laughs> last, camp in Iceland. last night Training this morning, camp. oh, yeah. <laughs> My son, is, he has this thing about Iceland, but on our little screen, you can see our flight map, see where we were. Right. And so I woke up at some point in the middle of the night, and I looked. I was like, where are we? And we were flying over Iceland, coming back south oh, to, yeah. to London. I was like, whoa, my son's going to love He's going to love yeah. this. So it, it, it's been really cool to kind of look at that map and go, we're here. We're here. But what was awesome today is we went out to practice. We got here, put our bags in our hotel room. Everybody got a little bit of a nap, went out, ran a little bit, went to practice at the London Irish Rugby Center. Yes. And we were Very out there, cool. and it was just – it was like practice on a Friday, except there were throngs of media. It wasn't just me, you, and – and Sarah Barshop, Aaron, Re- Aaron Reese, and Aaron Wilson, and John McClain. And John McClain, it was, he was. I was there. It I was want like the record to show that I was. He was there, there too. There it, were like it, thirty media members, but they were just having practice. Phenomenal. They were just having a Friday practice, getting ready for this game on Sunday. Great showing, indeed. Well, let's talk about practice a little bit, yep. Johnny, because they are getting ready to face a Jags team that really wants a piece of them. Yep. I mean, oh, yeah. look at it. Look at it from their point of view. Right here are the Jags, and the Jags have a four and four record. They yep. have Gardner Minshew, and they also have Leonard Fournette running the ball well. And they they think that if they win this game, they know that they're five and four, and right. they are right in the thick of the division race. Look, the Colts take on the Steelers; they could lose that game. Yeah, I mean, you don't have T.Y. Hilton's our, out. T.Y. Hilton's out for a while. I hope it kind of stays that way because I'm I'm concerned about his health. Of course, I'm not I saying I, I I root for players to be hurt at all, but I think T.Y. needs to take the rest of the year off and maybe more but that is a remarkable opportunity for them the jaguars and you have to look at it like that they're you're going to get their best shot on sunday at wembley stadium here's the thing if you're doug marone you walked in and said guys we're four and four they're five and three yep what was the 
differentiating factor in the game last time at NRG. And they all could stand up and go, well, about like that, three inches. Right. That's the difference in the Texans being 4-4 four and four in a must-win situation and the Jags being 5-3 and three going, hey, come to our place. Wembley's right. our place as opposed to now the Jags know to have any shot to win this division. They've got to win this game Sunday. And the Texans are thinking, yeah, we're banged up a little bit, but we beat you the first time, we'll come get you the second time. It's right. been, it's that close. Let's hear what Bill O'Brien has to say about the upcoming game on Sunday. I caught up with him right after practice. Coach, you'd like to talk about the operation on the field. How's the operation been off the field, getting here to London to help with the league and everything else? It's been great. I mean, I've I, it's been a seamless trip. Um, you know, we, we, we had a beautiful plane. Guys were able to sleep on the plane, and then we land at Heathrow and uh, went through customs with no issues and got to a beautiful hotel, Scion Park Hotel. It's uh, It's been a great trip. Earlier in the week, you said it was important to get the game planning done before you left. Do you feel that you were able to accomplish that? Yeah, I think we did. I mean, we, we spent a lot of time. We uh, Coaches did a good job of uh, making sure we got a lot done before we left, and then we, we just had a really good uh, practice here. Uh, guys are into it. They're focused. We know it's going to be a, a tough football game, a challenge, but uh, our guys are ready to go. In the first game, you guys did very well against the run. Minshew was their leading rusher. What's it going to take to continue that? Yeah, we have to. We, I don't think we can let Minshew be the leading rusher. I think that we've got to keep him in the pocket and we've got to stop, uh, continue to stop the run. They've got some good receivers, Chark and Conley, that are playing real well. But uh, I think it's all about stopping the run and trying to keep Minshew in the pocket. What about defensively? How tough are they to run against? Very tough, very tough. Great front. Uh, Calais Campbell, Josh Allen, Nagakwe didn't play against us in the first game. Miles Jack. I mean, they've got a, a lot of good football players, uh, Tave and Brian, so it's going to be a big challenge for us. You played cleaner last week. Are yeah. you looking forward to seeing that trend continue? I think that's the key. I think we have to play clean football. I think that's uh, really the, w- the way that you win in this league. Don't turn it over. Uh, don't commit pre-snap penalties. Um, try to play as smart and as disciplined as you can and do it for 60 minutes. What do you think of the nuances of the stadium, or is it like Hoosiers? It's once you're in the, inside <laughs> the lines, it's football. No, I think, I think we have to get over there. We have to check the surface out. Um, Jacksonville's played on it before us, so they, they probably have more. They're f- more familiar with the surface. We need to get over there and check it out, and um, and I'm sure our guys will get over there on the early bus and, and move around on the field. A couple of final factors to a victory, Coach. Yeah, I think, again, you said it. You know, I think we've got to play clean. We, we've got to take care of the football. We've got to stop the run. We've got to be able to run the football, and I think we have to play well on special teams. You know, we return it well, I think, if we have a chance to, and I think that if we have to punt that we, we can pin them deep, that will be good, you know, to, to try to play a good field position game. Coach, thanks a lot. Good luck. Thanks, Vandy. I thought a funny line was, we cannot let Gardner Minshew be the leading rusher. I mean, sure. he knows that if he, and look, if he's the leading rusher with 40 yards, okay, that's good. Because right. that means Fournette ran for less than 40, yep. you're probably okay. But even if he does run for 40, probably some first downs, some key yep. ones, some potential big plays, maybe a touchdown, maybe two, who knows. So you really do have to limit his running ability. But that doesn't mean the job is done there, Johnny, because he can still right. beat you with his arm, especially the way some of these teams have been trying to beat the Texans. The Colts were successful with that short uh, crossing pattern yep. passing game. And then you look at what the Raiders tried to do successfully for a while, but it didn't work out in the long run. you got to watch out for some of those things because the back end yep. is still healing. Well, a couple of things. Number one, offensive coordinator John Filippo was quarterback's coach for the Philadelphia Eagles when Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator with the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. So a lot of the same things that Frank does when he saw man coverage, we're going to see with John Filippo with those rub routes. I've, I've coined it like this, Mark. 
there's Gardner Minshew and then there's Minshew Mania. Right. And Gardner Minshew is a fine quarterback on his own. He can make some of the quick throws that needs to be made in that offense. If you give him the opportunity and on rub routes and pick routes, the guys be wide open and he'll hit them. But where Gardner has gone to a different level is his ability to create not just for himself but for his receivers down the field. Last week, case in point, the Jets, it was 7-6. to six. The Jets had a drive going, turned the ball over. The second play on the drive, Gardner Minshew went back to pass. I did a telestrator on it. You can see it on KPRC game day. I'm not. When are we playing that, by the way? That's tomorrow morning tomorrow at morning. 8.30 a.m. Thank you for reminding me. So, because kickoff is at 8.30 a.m. Sunday, right. so that's when that show yes. normally airs. We have to move it up a day. Right. So on that play, you'll see it. The Jags just run kind of a simple high-low concept, trying to catch a cover-two corner kind of in between. But Minshew gets a little pressure from the edge, so he holds on to it. Right. And then he starts to move around, and the Jets lock in on him, and Chris Conley goes right down the middle of the field, wide open. Minshew finds him, bang. That's Minshew mania to me. The ability to move around, move around, break a tackle, spin out of another one, and then throw. Like we call it Watson magic. It's Gardner Minshew mania. That's, to me, two different guys that you have to stop. When Minshew mania gets going, I mean like Hulkamania. When Hulkamania is running wild, brother, it's coming right over Well, that's Gardner Minshew mania. When he gets it going like that, you have a very difficult time. You've got to pass rush wise tomorrow. And I will never, ever in my life tell you the Texans would ever be better without J.J. Watt than not. But with J.J., J.J. was going to take calculated risks because he thought he was going to be able to make a sack. If he didn't, then that gave an opportunity for the quarterback to get out of the pocket. With the rushers they're going to have on Sunday, those guys are probably going to be pretty disciplined about enveloping Gardner Minshew in the well all together. It is very key that they work all together to do just that. Well, they have to do it to stop the run against Fournette Absolutely. to begin with, right? Yep. So that should keep the umbrella, the, the upside-down umbrella yeah, the in well, place. Keep that yeah. well enclosed on him. If you do yeah. that, then Minshew Mania can't do anything. All right, so Toro's here entertaining the crowd. The Texans cheerleaders are here at the Barrel Boy and Banker in downtown London entertaining the crowd. They're doing the cheer. It's nuts. People are taking selfies. This is awesome. Yes, and I, I love this stuff because everybody's, you know, everybody's really partying, having a good time, oh, yeah. and I want them to. You know, As well they radio should. Show, but this is, this is the way it is, and it reminds me of Fuddruckers on steroids, okay? <laughs> uh, not so much because I think Fuddruckers is mellow or anything, right, but this, right. this place, I mean, we're in London. People have traveled halfway around the world almost, and they're really fired up for this game on oh, Sunday. Yeah. And London, by the way, Wow, you mentioned it. We were in an Uber for a long time, and it would have been no faster by train. So I know people are, well, why didn't you take the tube? Well, because it wouldn't have been any faster right. where we were coming from. Right. We're out in the burbs, right. for lack of a better way of putting it. It doesn't really get suburban here. It just kind of looks like a thinner, thinned-out London yeah. downtown version, thinned out for the outskirts, Yeah, if you get my drift here. So if, if you want to you gauge in Houston kind of what we did today, yeah, we essentially went from <laughs> Katie all the way to Edo on two-lane roads that had yeah. lights probably every half mile. Yep. That's, That's pretty well much put. about what and, we did. But, or, but no straight but lines. Winding, Very yeah. few straight lines. Going in the car was fascinating. It's my first time in London. We and went I, 40 at one point. I thought, oh, my gosh, we're speeding. Oh. This is amazing. I thought we were going the wrong direction at that point. But it was great because we got a chance to see the city because yep. we are out a little bit. Westminster Abbey just popped up. You're like, yeah. oh, Westminster Abbey. Like, what? Yeah. Where? Yeah, I was on the phone. I said, Johnny, there's Westminster Abbey. It was great. Got a couple pictures of it. I mean, it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was really, really cool to see this. 
But we're right near London Bridge. Where yeah, this bar is. Yeah, that, that when I started into my Google and I put in such and such, it popped up London Bridge. So anything London yeah. Bridge, like we're right by London Bridge. So yeah. hopefully it doesn't fall down. Like you yeah. want to look at this place, Ron. Go check out Houston Texans Twitter because it's there and the Instagram. And Drew Doherty's been here doing videos and uh, countless other Texans. I mean, like I mentioned, all the Texans super fans are here socializing. And by that, I mean on social media. So you can check out all the coverage there. And it's just fun stuff. Kevin Walter was here earlier today. We were supposed to interview Kevin, but I think he uh, he decided this was an overwhelming seat. No, I'm not sure what he had to do today. I do. I, he, well, he got pulled into it. Another engagement. I he think did. one that we were supposed to get pulled into at some oh, point. Oh, really? But he got pulled into the uh, Kensington well, Palace group, Oh, well, that's, that's good. Yeah. Because you want to. I don't know if they're going to meet the royal family or anything, but they're going to have a good time tonight. But this place is just wall to wall. It thinned out for a while because it was an instant Yogi Berra. Nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded situation. Right, right, right. But then it got crowded again, yeah. so here we are. And I don't mean to do too much live play-by-play of this place, but I'm trying to bring the London thing back to you the amount of texans fans here is dare i say staggering overwhelming i don't know how to describe it because they were good they had a spot to do the traveling texans picture you all see that right on social media they had to scratch the spot because it got too small for them so now too small in london too small in london too small. They're like, no, we can't do it. We have too many fans here. Remember the one in San Francisco in 2013? Yeah, I do, yeah. I know that game was a dog, and it was a yeah. dog season, but that was the follow-up year to 12-4 and four in 2012 when everyone started really hitting the road yep. big time. Yep. And I think this whole thing started with the Baltimore Ravens playoff game in 2011. It really started. I know yeah. there, have been, there have been traveling Texans forever, but it really exploded that year. And to go a little bit further, our good, our good friend Tyler Sudarth put together the 53, the traveling Texans, which is fantastic. Stephanie Stradley is on there, Texans chick, and she talks about the, the origin of traveling Texans, and there's some great shots of where they've taken that, that traveling Texans picture. The one to me that I remember was Mexico City. Yep. I just remember Mexico City, and there were a lot of Raiders fans, let me be honest. There were a lot of, a lot of Raiders fans, but that picture of the traveling Texans was just Oh, that, it was that monumental. Was it was really, really cool. So uh, I can't wait to see where it ends up being taken. But let's let the 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 project at hand, if you will, go beat this Jacksonville team on Sunday. Well, let's dive a little deeper into that. Andre Ware with his thoughts on the matchup and a little bit around the National Football League. You and I will go over all the games in the third segment of this hour before the hour is done. We've got Frank Frangie, some highlights of what he had to say about the Jaguars in the second hour. Whitney Merciless in the second hour. It's all coming up on Texans Radio. Keeping you close with your Houston Texans. Texans All Access broadcasting from London at the Barrow Boy and Banker where all the fans are hanging out. Not all the fans, but man, this place is jam-packed with Texans fans. It's an exclusive Texans crowd here, and it's so much fun to see everybody partying, getting ready for the big game on Sunday. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. And we'll get Andre's thoughts on the matchup in just a few moments here. But, Johnny, the travel aspect of this, a lot has been talked about yes. related to the Jags. This being their seventh time here, the Texans coming here for the first time. You do have Gary and Conley coming here for the second time in a year. Yes, um, it's right. I mean, unbelievable. In several weeks, two trips to London to play an NFL game. But what do you make of that? I mean, you've been here for not even 24 hours, yeah. as I have. I think the guys are going to be okay. My yeah, point so. is they're 
athletes in the prime of their lives. They're in tremendous shape. They have outstanding resources to get ready for the game. I think they should be okay as far as that stuff is concerned. Well, speaking just for me, 47 years old, didn't sleep much in a plane, but got a little bit, got to the hotel, and slept probably two hours. Right. Then I went and got a run. After the run, I, you know, shouting out ready, and it was like, I feel good. I mean, I feel good. Yeah. I don't feel like it's, you know, whatever time it is back in, you know, back in Houston. I feel like I'm on the on London time, like I'm supposed to be, which obviously is what you want. You want these guys to feel like it's London time, not four o'clock in the afternoon, and they're just waking up, going, "All right, where's breakfast?" I don't think they've they've had that. They look pretty sharp at practice today. Right. Guys seem to be, you know, rolling out. We drove over there, uh, all the buses together to get over to the facility, and they all looked like they were in pretty good spirits and, and ready to go. And, and you're right, you you bounce back and you deal with it. Now the Jags know a little bit more of how they've done it and right. what's been successful for them in the past. But the Texans prepare and have prepared. And Bill O'Brien heard him say this at his press conference today, right before well, we had to take off and get here. He said, we've been looking at this since it was announced. We've been studying what we have to do to make sure that we go out on Sunday and give it our best effort. And look, there are going to be some things out of their control that have nothing to do with this trip, as in five guys already out on the injury report, including two starting uh, defensive backs and a third who has started since some of the injuries in Lonnie Johnson. So that's a bigger factor than I think any of the travel and all that kind of stuff. I feel like now we're here. I mean, it's London. I get it because I see London Bridge and we're in here and we see the London flags and we see all that. But we we could just be on a regular road trip. Yeah, that's the way it kind of that's the way it feels like from that perspective. An extra day. You know what it reminds me of? It's going to sound weird. In the Kubiak era, once upon a time, one trip to Oakland, they went out a day ahead. Yeah. yeah. And I hate to say it, but it sort of reminds me of that. Yeah. You know, where you just have this extra day to deal with. Of course, I get it. It's different. It's the Jags. It's London. It's a really tough situation. But just as far as the time elapsed between yep. travel and game day, it reminds me of that. All right, Andre Ware reminds me of a lot of things. And we had a quieter conversation about how this matchup might go down between the Texans and the Jags and some of the some of the issues involved, some of the matchup factors. No J.J. Watt for the rest of the season. So, Andre, what do they yeah. do to try to combat the loss of J.J. Watt on that defensive front? I think it's a lot of players, a lot of different mixtures of things, and, and you got to be real careful in how you do it and go about it because uh, you can't get too blitz crazy because you've got some inexperience right now that's playing on the back end. But you have to pick and choose when you do it, uh, mix and rotate a, a handful of players. Amenahue's going to be big. Uh, he's going to have to really grow up in a, in a hurry and, and start to contribute in a major way. And I think he's got some talent there that uh, that can certainly get you by. There are going to be others, other others that will have to step up in terms of rush defense. That on early, especially on early downs, you're going to have to stand in there and, and fight and scratch and not give up an inch uh, here and there. And others will have to make plays because of that. And it's it's just going to be a totally different way in which you go about playing defense with a player like JJ out of the lineup. Well, we've been working together 18 years, so I'm sure you've seen the same thing I have and are concerned about the same thing, and that's Leonard Fournette, who's having a really good season, and you mentioned the early downs and needing to stop him. The Texans did a good job last time, but they're going to have to do that again and maybe more this time. 
Yeah, he seems – I'll tell you what, what's, what's the difference in Leonard Fournette is that he's running behind a healthier offensive line. They've gotten some players back up front that uh, that have opened some holes for him. And when you're playing with backups, we know how tough that is to, to uh, especially get the running game going when everybody's not in sync or you have one guy in, one guy out. It's, it's tough to go about your business that way, uh, especially for a talented back like Fournette. But – He's back. The offensive line is a little bit healthier, and uh, he's starting to reap the benefits. We know what type of talent he is. He looks as though, uh, studying last week's film, he's having fun again. And when you're, there are no holes there and you're constantly being stopped in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage, it's no fun for not only a quarterback but uh, certainly a running back. Gardner Minshew seems like you know he's just continuing to build every single week on the last week's performance, where his confidence is at an all-time all-time high right now. So those are two weapons. There's certainly a lot more that are around those two that that will be a factor in in Sunday's game. But they they look like a very good young offensive team that that's starting to turn the corner and starting to compete at a high level. Minshew is kind of making it, I hate to say look easy, it's not easy, and maybe he's not making it look that easy, but he's a rookie, Andre, and they're 4-4, four and four, and I know the competition isn't Super Bowl worthy, but you have to give them some credit here for coming in and doing a nice job. Yeah, I credit how he was coached in college and being able to read uh, defenses and things like that. That goes a long way. When you can come to the line of scrimmage and see different looks and know how to attack certain defenses based on where the weaknesses are, uh, Mike Leach did an outstanding job with him. And I think that's he's part of a, a trend where – uh, that's the way and the direction that the NFL is going. It's going more towards the the spread looks, the the uh, the offenses, the air raid type offenses, where guys are are uh, are prepared for what what the NFL has in store from a defensive standpoint. Not a whole lot you can show him that he hasn't seen, to be quite honest. And and uh, he is uh, he has taken the coaching. He is he's off and running with it, and he's getting he's improving each and every week. And you you can actually see it. Uh, when you turn on the tape and, and watch it. All right, I'm looking at the Colts here going to Pittsburgh, and we saw Pittsburgh, I hesitate to use the word struggle, but it was more of a struggle than we thought against the Miami Dolphins on yeah. Monday night. So what are you thinking of the Steelers hosting the Colts this weekend? Well, I think I go back to that game on Monday night against the Dolphins. I think it may have been one of those where you underestimate an opponent. And a young team, you know, with Mason Randolph or Rudolph, there as a quarterback, and, and uh, you, you just can't do that. There's a, there are a lot of young components to the Steelers, and then you're reading about the Dolphins and how they're tanking the season and how, uh, you know, this, that, and the other, where it's going to be an easy game. Just, we're at home. We'll roll the helmets out there and roll the balls out, and we'll win and, and, and move on. Well, it's the NFL, and you find yourself, uh-oh, we're down 14 nothing. We better start playing. I think it was more, the, more of that than it was uh, a lapse of talent with the Steelers. Uh, Going to in, or playing against Indy this week, this will be a tough game. It's one that, on paper, the Colts should be able to take care of the Steelers, but it's the NFL, and you never know. Any given Sunday, it can happen. Uh, we saw that Miami came out fighting, and then all of a sudden, the Steelers reacted. This could. Uh, this is one of those where it's, the Colts should win it, but it could be a toss-up game. Yeah, and then you have the Titans in Carolina in North Carolina, so that's yeah. going to be interesting as well. Carolina coming off that bad loss seems to be coming down, you know, back down to earth. There was a lot of Kyle Allen. He suffered his first loss this past weekend. Um, 
I know they've got some injuries in Carolina, but uh, Tennessee is a team that is starting to roll a little bit. They're going on the road. Tannehill starting to play some consistent football. And that's always been the scary thing about Tennessee is if they can get consistent quarterback play each and every week in and week out with a dominant running game. And and I think that's exactly what uh, Coach Vrabel wanted. That's exactly what he's starting to get, and he's starting to reap the benefits of it. Uh, there's my buddy Andre Ware, and next up, we'll get a little bit of insight from Frank Franchi, voice of the Jaguars. We heard from him earlier in the week, but what does he have to say about coming to London, about this particular game, and about the rest of the division, too, because it's hot and heavy in the AFC South, like we discussed. We're broadcasting from the Barrel Boy and Banker, the Texans Pub in downtown London. It's Texans Radio. Back on Texans All Access here in London at the Barrel Boy and Banker and fans coming out of the woodwork. Different countries, different states, different states of mind. Different Ready continents. Throw it in there, different continents. Different continents. I mean, Iceland really blew me away. That, that <laughs> no. was cool. That's Iceland awesome. was cool. That, that's, that's really neat. I got I to gotta find one to beat that because, I mean, London is one thing, but Iceland is another. You know, we were talking earlier about World League, and you mentioned putting a game over in Germany. Yeah. You know, one of the most successful franchises is from your motherland. Let's go to Amsterdam and play a game. The Amsterdam Admirals? Yeah, let's go to Amsterdam and play a game. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love that, okay? The uh, local soccer team, pro soccer team, is Ajax, and it's spelled Ajax, A-J-A-X, yeah, yeah. but it's Ajax, and uh, I follow them on Twitter now, <laughs> so that's fun for me. Anyway, <laughs> a little bit more about this game in the AFC South, and Johnny... When you look at the Colts going to Pittsburgh, this is a big game for the Texans. Let's face it, yep. win or lose, you want the Colts to lose to Pittsburgh somehow. And no T.Y. Hilton, like you stated earlier. What do you make of that one as those two will get together? I want to tell you that Pittsburgh started solving all of its issues in the second half against Miami. But I do think it was great for Pittsburgh to get a win and have Mason Rudolph back in the lineup and say, hey, yeah, we had guys that made plays, and not every single one of those guys was named Juju Smith-Schuster yeah. or James Conner. They got contributions from Deont- Deontay Johnson, and they also got contributions from Brian Flores sending an eight-man blitz on third and 20 and leaving Johnson wide open. So they got contributions from everybody. I think the Steelers, the, the Steelers play better defense than people think. T.J. Watt. Has had a great year. Yeah. And obviously we'll talk about J.J. because we're in Houston. But T.J.'s Boy, had a really good year. J.J.'s a good PR agent for T.J. Yes. And he really doesn't even have to be because T.J.'s just playing that well. He's going to be key. But, again, we found out last week. Well, we've known. But it was reemphasized last week that you can be great coming off the edge. You can beat that block up front. And you might beat Braden Smith. You might beat Costanzo. But you've got to beat Jacoby Brissett. By wrapping him up and bringing him down. Von Miller. Von oh Miller, God. a Hall of Famer, didn't do that. And it allowed the Broncos, well, it allowed the Colts, excuse me, to beat the Broncos as Brissett was able to get out of it. And that play was a springboard to a game-winning field goal by Adam Vinatieri. So I think the Steelers playing at home, that's a, that's a key, playing at home. And this is one of those that we talked about at the beginning of the, the when the schedule was announced. What's the matchup games? that We all play the same teams, the Colts and Texans, home and away. We all play, we play the same team, except for two. We play the Patriots at home. They play the Dolphins at home. Yes. We go to Baltimore. They go to Pittsburgh. So this is one of those games you look at and go, we're going to pound the Dolphins. Okay, that's going to happen at home. You knew that was going to happen, and it's going to happen. I think it happens next week. What we do against the Patriots, we'll find out. It's going to be a measuring stick for us later in the year. But this one, this is where you could pick one up. You picked one up, the Chargers. 
Right. And, and uh, that was a big one to pick up that and, you won and, and they Denver, lost. Denver almost came through last and week. Denver almost came through for you. But now you got to take care of your own business, obviously, here in Jacksonville. But I do think that Pittsburgh is going to be in that ball game all the way throughout. And you hope that playing in Pittsburgh, that gives them a little bit of an advantage and they can come through and pull off a win for us. And how, would that, how awesome would that be to be on a plane coming home going, hey, Pittsburgh beat Indianapolis. You beat Jacksonville. You're back in first place going into the bye. That would oh be awesome. Oh, my gosh. That would be, that would be so awesome. terrific. I mean, when you look at Tennessee taking on Carolina, I really think that the Panthers have – I know they lost badly last week, but they do have a lot going for them, yeah. especially against the Titans. I, I think this is a hotly contested affair going down to the wire in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I think it's – that's the kind of game I think Tennessee's going to play. Right. I think Tennessee plays those kind of games. And Mike Vrabel – knows he doesn't have all the offensive talent in the world, but what Vrabel's doing is he's keeping that game close enough that either Tannehill can make one play or the other team makes a massive mistake and they can take advantage of that. And it almost backfired on him last week by that fake field goal, but the whistle, he got bailed out because the whistle should have never been blown and the Bucks right. should have won that football game, but that's the way it goes. Either way, with this game with the Panthers, with with Kyle Allen now pretty much entrenched in the starter. You don't have to ask, hey, is he going to start this week? He's going to start this week. You know he's going to start because Cam is dealing with that foot that is a whole heck of a lot worse than people imagined or even let on where it originally happened. So he went up, apparently up to Green Bay to go see his surgeon up there and see what the deal is. But Kyle Allen's the guy, and I think that gives the Panthers confidence that, hey, look, Kyle doesn't have to answer those questions week in and week out. He had a bad game. He bounces back this week against the Titans, and I think the Panthers end up being the Titans at home. By the way, foot surgeon in Green Bay, not that that's that unusual, but a specialist who warrants NFL-type attention. Yep. I guess that's good for him. Yeah, Dr. Robert Anderson uh, yeah. does, a does a tremendous job. So, And uh, I want to live in Green Bay, darn it, because I like it up there. Well, that's how he feels. Well, as Jalila Dye told us, Green Bay was like a little Mount uh, Pleasant. He, he said it was like a little Mount Pleasant. That's yeah. exactly what he said. Which is, of course, where Central Michigan is located, and don't get me started. Okay, Frank Franchi is the voice of the Jaguars, and I visited with him about some of the details going on between the Texans and the Jaguars in this trip to London. Okay, what about the fans? I've heard that different jerseys are worn because they're NFL fans, not necessarily fans of the team. Yeah, I think there will be more Jags than anything else because it's, we've become sort of a quasi-home team over there. So you'll see more Jags jerseys than you will other teams. But having said that, you'll see everybody. You will see. And what, teams with big followings that go for the first time, I guess the Texans will be this way. I can tell you the first time we played the Eagles over there last year, there were tons of Eagles fans because they'd never made the trip before. But, yeah, you will see. They all wear jerseys too, bro. So you will see more mm -hmm. NFL jerseys from more different teams. I think the first year I went, I was kind of astounded by that, Mark. I think I probably counted. 15, 16 teams. One walk around the stadium, I think I probably counted 15 or 16 for half of the NFL team. So it's it's colorful. It's kind of neat. They've had to learn how to cheer. It's a different kind of cheer than you're used to. Uh, and believe it or not, even your players have to get used to that because you're you know your players are used to a certain cadence of the crowd. Home crowd acts a certain way. The road crowd acts a certain way. Well, these these fans are learning kind of how to cheer a little bit. So it's a It'll be a very different experience for you and for that team, for sure. Here you are at 500. Are you surprised? How do you feel about the first half of the season for the Jaguars? i got to tell you, and I, and I think that the feeling around here is to have lost your quarterback, 
11 plays into the season, Mark. 11 plays. You, you spend $88 million on Nick Foles, and you lose him 11 plays in. Then they have all the Jalen Ramsey stuff. Jalen wanted out of here. They, you know the whole story by now by now about the uh, uh, the confrontation or the, dis- the discussion with the front office that he asked for a trade a day later. Uh, I, I think everybody knows the drill. To lose your best defensive player, one of the best corners in the league is not the best. To lose your quarterback 11 plays in, and then you look up and you're right in the middle of the race and you're 4-4, four and four. it's a pretty good 4-4. Four and four. Uh, the, the rookie quarterback's pretty good. I think everybody knows that now. Um, now, look, they've beaten struggling teams. The Jets are struggling. The Bengals are struggling. The Broncos are struggling. The wins have come against bad teams. They have to see if they can do it against good teams, and that, of course, starts uh, in London. Uh, I thought the Texans-Jaguars game the first time around was a pretty good game. Uh, it came down to a two-point conversion, and Leonard Fournette was stopped about an inch short, and it was a one-point game. So, But, you no, know, I think all told, they feel pretty good about where this team is. Okay, what about Minshew? And I know you probably get asked all the time about what happens when Foles gets back, but what happens when Foles gets back, Frank? <laughs> I do get asked all the time. I don't think anybody knows that answer. I think let's see what happens in London. Uh, if the Jags win, that's three straight wins. Uh, he's played very well, 13 touchdowns, only two interceptions. He's way beyond where a rookie should be mentally. I think everybody knows that. Uh, he's got a good arm, not a great arm. He's mobile. Uh, he's got a, he's got a, a little moxie about him. There's something special about this guy. There's, nobody would debate that. Having said that, you're committed. This team committed themselves to Nick Foles. Uh, you don't make the commitment. Someone said, well, you got to play Foles. They're going to play Foles because they paid him. No, that has nothing to do with it. But you paid him because you're committed to him being your guy for the next three years. So I don't know which way they're going to go. Honestly, I don't know that Doug does. I asked Doug about that the other day, and he told me he really doesn't know. And, and I and I tend to believe him. I, I don't think they've decided. I think the feeling is there's an open date after the game. Play the game. See what happens when you play the game. Catch your breath, and then and then see what happens. My guess is, Mark, at some point, Nick Foles will quarterback this team again. Um, whether it's the week after the buy or not, we'll see. All right, tell me about DJ Chark and what you're getting out of him. I mean, this guy's really making a lot of noise right now with the six touchdowns, 660 yards. What are you seeing? Yeah, he's a good player. At LSU, he's got all the measurables. He's six foot four. He's two hundred pounds. He can run. He reminds you body. He reminds you of Hopkins a little bit in terms of the way he looks. Uh, came. He did not catch a lot of balls at LSU. Heck, he probably caught fifty, sixty balls his whole career there. So for that reason, he wasn't the most seasoned or skilled guy. He had to learn how to catch the ball. He kind of fought the ball a little bit. Mark his first year. Now he's really worked on that. He's a good pass catcher. And the other stuff was there. He's really fast. He's very athletic. He works really hard. He's got a toughness about him. He uh, He's good. Hey, this guy's going to be legit. It's a good re- we have never had a great receiving for him. You know, we had we had Jimmy Smith and Keenan McCardell in the early years in the 90s, and since then it just hasn't been a very good core. Uh, it's pretty good now. D.D. Westbrook's a good player. Chris Conley got buried a little bit in Kansas City, but now that he's here, he's a good player. So wouldn't mind having a tight end. Tight end play hasn't been very good, but as far as the wide receivers, they've been pretty good. I thought you were on your way with Allen Robinson and Hearns and those guys. They were looking like a good young crew, but it never quite materialized, right? That was part of it. And look, Allen Hearns is a really good player. Uh, and and Allen Hearns is the best teammate of all time. But those guys weren't very fast. We've gotten into a, we've gotten a time in the league, I, I think, and maybe you disagree with this, but we've gotten to a time in the league where possession receivers have had to give way to guys that can run. I mean, look at Hopkins and Fuller. I mean, Who's faster than Fuller in this league? And he's the second-best receiver on your team. So 
I think we've got, you know what I mean, Mark? I think we've gotten where guys have to run. As good as, as good as A-Rob and Hearns and Marquise Lee were, they all came into the league together. None of them took the top off the defense. Mm. These three guys can all run now. This is three guys that can run. They haven't had that before. What's different about Fournette, if anything? 791 yards, my goodness. Five yards per carry. The guy's doing really well for you. Well, he's healthy. He was hurt most of last year. And last year, it got away from the Jags. For whatever reason, uh, they had a lot of young guys. You, you started wondering if they were playing for each other or playing for themselves a little bit. I think they would tell you that uh, in a very introspective moment. I think most of the guys on the team would tell you that. Um, I think Leonard recommitted himself, went to Wyoming in the offseason. Mark really, really worked, got himself in great shape. Uh, he's, he's, the, he's the running game now. He, he gets all the carries. He, they throw it to him out of the backfield, and uh, I think he's healthy. I think he's in shape. I think he's a year older, a year more mature, and he's having a terrific year. But this whole team, look, I'm Jalen Ramsey's a magnificent player, and everybody hated to see him go because he's such a good player. And he was a hard worker, and he cared. He wanted to be the best in his craft. So there's no negative stuff about Jalen. Yet it got to where this team, I, I think this team plays for each other more now than it has in, in, in many, many years. I, I think you can sense that. I think you can feel that. And I think there's a pretty good vibe in that locker room. Frank Frangie, voice of the Jaguars, with us. Frank, give me a player or two that doesn't get pub that you think more people should be talking about. Somebody's doing well for you. Yeah, I think there's some under-the-radar guys. Some of the young second-year guys. Taven Bryant starting to play well along that defensive front. Um, uh, Josh Allen's getting a lot of pubs, so I guess he wouldn't qualify as that guy. He's getting a lot. I think mm. the two safeties, the two young safeties. Remember, they had Deshaun Gibson, who's there now, and and Barry Church, two veteran safeties who kind of anchored that defense when the team was the defense was so good two years ago. Well, they're gone. So the two young safeties, Jerry Wilson's played well, Ronnie Harrison's played well. This young defensive tackle, the first rounder a year ago, uh, Taven Bryan. When Taven Bryan came into the league, he's six foot five, two sixty five, and kind of looked in a uniform like J.J. Watt. And everyone said he's J.J. Watt. Well, he's not J.J. He's a tackle. He's a three technique. He's not an end. They tried him an end last year. He didn't play so well. So he's starting to play better. Uh, DeJuan Smoot. Is a draft pick, a third rounder three years ago that they thought maybe they had missed on. Uh, he's got two sacks already. He's starting to play better. So some of the young guys, and I'll give you one more guy. Keep an eye on Trey Herndon, the cornerback, number 37, mm. Mark. He's a guy that had to, he's an undrafted guy out of Vanderbilt that had to go in and play when they traded Jalen. And people thought, oh boy. Well, he had two interceptions last week. And I mean good interceptions. I don't mean balls that popped in his hands. I mean, he went dove and went and got him. The week before against Cincinnati, he thought he had an interception that was overturned by replay. This guy's got two picks, almost three. He's been a really good cornerback for them. So he's played pretty well. Excellent stuff, Frank. All right, one more for you. I don't think anybody should be surprised that the AFC South has all four teams at 500 or better, but it's the way they got there, I think, that is a little bit of a surprise at the very least. What about the Titans and the Colts? Your quick thoughts on them. Yeah, I'm not surprised at Jacoby Brissett. I knew him a little bit when he was at Florida before he transferred to NC State. Uh, I, I said on my day, on my daily radio show, watch that he's not Andrew Luck. Nobody's Andrew Luck, but he is a really good player. And they will not take the step back that people think. And the people on the radio show with me look like I had a blue head, but I'm telling you, I'm not surprised by that. I don't know what to make of the Titans. I think they're a good, tough, physical football team. Uh, Mariota got benched. Um, I'm not sure what to make of him. Uh, Mike Keith's a good friend of both yours and mine, and Mike and I talk about it a lot. I'm not sure he knew where they were headed with Mariota. Uh, so I don't know what to make of the Titans. A tough-nosed physical football team that finds a way to win. They know how to win. 
I'm not surprised by the Colts. I think Jacoby Brissett's a good player. I expected him to play well like he has. And there's my buddy Frank Frangi, voice of the Jaguars. Wanted to get a little of that conversation on the air. So many of you have been focused on baseball, and I get it. I totally get it. Tremendous run for the Astros. Didn't end the way we wanted it to, but now we're on the football and the baseball hot stove, which is going to be piping hot in just a moment here if it isn't already. We're always piping hot here on Texans Radio in the Barrel Boy and Banker, the Texans Pub in London, and it is packed with Texans fans. More coming up, including some from Whitney Merciless, what he has to say about this particular matchup. How about our buddy Brennan Scarlett? How about Johnny's keys to the game? And I'm going to throw some in as well next hour on Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. Barrel Boy and Banker, downtown London. The place is rocking. Texans and Jaguars at Wembley Stadium on Sunday. And I said it's like Fuddruckers on steroids. By the way, we will be at Fuddruckers Tuesday, and it's the bye week. Hard to believe. I mean, we're there already. That's week 10. I know, it's crazy. And Clint Sterner will be our guest Tuesday at 6 at Fuddruckers Greenway. It's going to be a lot of fun to have Clint there and get to know him deeper, a lot deeper than you do in the afternoon show where he does such a terrific job and he's on our free game and he's on with you on Wednesdays. But we'll dive deep with Clint Sterner Tuesday at 6 o'clock. But this place, look, this is... Johnny, I don't even know what time of day it is for these Texans because, you know, here we are at 7 o'clock Central. I get it. But for them, it's, yeah, I guess it is. But it's later. It's earlier. It's crazy. And they're all jet lagged and having a good time. And, you know, so are we, by the way. But we're on the radio, so we have to be fit to be on the air. Right. I would say we're fit to be on the air. I'm a little bit surprised by that. Well, you know, one thing we were talking about actually in the Uber on the way over here, we we just flat out missed Halloween because yeah, we, we left oh in the afternoon, and then we got here. It was November 1st already, so yeah. we just had – which I was a little sad. I, that's one of my favorite things about Halloween yeah, is I just – Your kids are way out of Halloween. No, no, I know, but for, you, I'm just oh, saying selfishly because oh. it's all about me. And uh, you like to give out the candy at the door? I do. I sit oh, at the geez. door, and, and I get to play – I get to play uh, – the candy bank. I missed you come into the candy bank. And, and you know what? This is the Super Bowl of holidays for the kids. Well, Christmas and Halloween are the yeah. two biggest kid holidays. Yes. And my kid was Alexander Hamilton for Halloween. Oh, my good for kid. him. And he was singing lyrics from the show, going around it's the neighborhood. So and, you know, the town crier yeah. doing the uh, hip-hop Hamilton. And people who don't know what that is, by the way, we have two really well-dressed Texans fans. Do the play-by-play. Texas yeah. flag suits. I mean... He's got Jays on the original Jays with this Texas flag suit. And his, his wife has got too. the same way. Now, her shoes are not Jays. I she's, think it's his wife. Yeah, she's got uh, cowboy yeah. boots that they, are just fantastic. And they got the, the best thing is the Londoners seeing these folks. Yeah, that's it. Not just us, but Londoners <laughs> saying, okay, those Americans do love their football. <laughs> they love that brand. And by the way, my British accent here, I'm really sort of hesitant to use it around the Brits because they're going to say, oh, another American trying to be British. Great. That's sort oh, of like lovely. That's sort of like when I went to Spain. Yeah. I have just enough Spanish to, like, just recognize words. And so I, uh, 
I was afraid to bring it out, though. I didn't want to embarrass myself, you know, just yeah. even well, like cabeza. I like, I, I, I just, but you're I, not, I ma- I'm not mocking the Brits by doing a British no, 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 accent, no, no, no. but it's like it's no. not very respectful, I have a feeling, so i got to be careful with that. Anyway, uh, we, you mentioned we are at the Barrow Boy and Banker, and yeah. I got to thinking, what's a Barrow Boy? Well, yeah. so I looked it up. Okay. Uh, a Barrow Boy is, well, it's got two expressions, occupational and social. Street traders since the 19th century sold seasonal goods from two-wheeled barrows. Yeah. London street traders were called costermongers, or more generally, barrow boys. Uh-huh. Since anything can be sold from a barrow, including coal, clothes, crockery, oh. etc. And banker would be the more white-collar, right. straight version of a right. trader, if you will. Right. So, yeah, both here, the barrow boy and banker. Yeah, Good. so it's kind of like... Like trading places. You had Eddie Murphy and you had Randolph and Mortimer, kind of all in one. Randolph. Okay. <laughs> Look, I know we're a little all over the place, but give us a break. We're in London doing a radio show back to the United States of America, and God bless Houston. By the way, I love London. Even being here this short time, I am just thanking my lucky stars I live in Texas. I just, I love where we live. And it's great to be too. here. It's great to visit other cities, other cultures. But I love Texas. And I just thought I'd get that in. And I'm not pandering. That is the God-honest truth. Yep. And I can't wait to get home after a win on Sunday. Now, Whitney Merciless, you've heard of him. Part of that front seven, part of that pass rush that has to do damage on Sunday. And the rest of the campaign with no J.J. Watt. Drew Doherty had a chance to catch up with Whitney. How energizing is it to be in London and to get to play in London and get to be in front of a different crowd than you normally are? Yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting. Different venue, across the pond, yeah. of course. That's good. That's a cool thought. And also, I hear those fans are, like, absolutely crazy. Just talking to a few guys around the league who've done that travel a few times, and I'm excited to get in front of that crowd, see how crazy it is, the atmosphere, and hopefully it's not too cold. Hopefully yeah. it's not too cold. It's a little bit chilly this time of year, but nothing yeah. you can't handle. You've played in much colder environments, and let's talk about how this season has been for you. What's the deal? Do you have – is there like a magnet in your body now because you're around the ball all the time, it seems? What's going on, buddy? No, man. I, you know what? God just designed it that way for this year. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, this is my thought. I'm, I just want to get around the ball, just make sure that I'm creating or impacting the game somehow just to get the ball back to the, ten, back to the offense. Yeah. Whatever it is, is stripping it, intercepting it, or recovering a fumble. Pretty much, it, like, it just happens to be just right there. And so, yeah. just want to try to continue that forward. You know, it's uh, slowed down just a little bit, but it's all good. It's been fun seeing you play so well, and it's also been fun seeing these celebrations afterwards. <laughs> You're part of, quote-unquote, the Rock Boys. Yeah. Can, I know mostly what it is, but for those that haven't heard it, can you kind of explain where that came from, who the Rock Boys are, and what's going on with all that? Oh, of course. I would love to elaborate on Rock Boys. <laughs> this is a great shout-out for everybody in the uh, in the linebacker group itself. So, B-Max, the manager, he came up with it, you know, the name. But to go back to how it actually started was during training camp. Yeah. It's like, okay, man, we make these, like, great plays, you know, sacks and all that, and guys are celebrating individually. So, it's like, how do we get – because everybody's involved in the play to make right. it happen, right? So how do we get more people involved and do, like, group group celebrations? So we just – it was just me and Scarlett. We just messed around, and it was just like, you know, we just playing the guitar, air guitar and all that. <laughs> then B-Mac jumped in, in it, and then now it, it just snowballed. And then finally B-Mac came up with a name for it, and we've just been rocking with, with it ever since. And so outside linebackers are the Rock Boys. Right. 
BMAC to manager. Okay. And that's how it is. And then we got a collaboration with the LPC crew. Yeah, the LPC crew is obviously the lunch pail crew, kind of the interior defensive lineman. And, you know, Dylan Cole was sitting in your spot about a week ago when we did this interview, and mm-hmm. he said he wedged himself into the Rock Boys and he's the drummer because, hey, every good band needs a drummer. So that's kind of fun. It's it's an inclusive process for guys that are making plays. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And also, well, we're still looking for that singer as well, too. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, how do the Rock Boys, how does the LPC, how do they come together and compensate for the loss of a guy like J.J. Watt? I know yeah. you don't you know, replace a guy like that one-on-one, right. but you got to do things a little bit differently now to, to kind of stem the tide, I suppose. Yeah, no doubt. First of all, guys got to – now it's – the next man up mentality. So Scarlett, let's see, Charles, yep. Berghevius, yep. and also uh, Jacob, who got to step up their game as well, too, uh, just replacing Watt in some, some, some form of fashion. And also just a scheme as far as replacing such a monumental guy on defense as well, too. So the thing is, we've got to just lock in our keys, just play that a whole lot better, affect the game in some, some type of shape or form, and we've got to get a lot of penetration up front, up front in the run game and the pass game as well, too. Yeah. So, you know, it's nothing we are going to freak out about. This has happened to us, you know, before, and guys stepped up then, and guys are going to step up now. And probably it doesn't hurt to have a, a mind like mm-hmm. Romeo Cornell's helping orchestrate some of these things, too, right? A- exactly. Romeo, he's going to look at it. I mean, uh, of course, they, they're already looking at it early on and all that. And so pretty much the, he's going to look at what he has, what the skill set is, and adapt to it. And so that's, that's literally what this league is all about is just adaptation. Yeah. Sunday morning, it'll be central time. It'll be breakfast with the Texans. You guys will be playing in the middle of the afternoon. So let's talk about the opponent. Gardner Minshew. He's not playing like a rookie who was drafted in the late rounds, who's just coming in and has a mustache. This guy can play. Yeah. I mean, he's got them in position, and they're doing really well. What was the challenge initially when you saw him, and how has he kind of grown over the last month or so? Man, so, okay, the biggest thing is the first time that we faced him, his composure is unusual. It kind of reminded me of Deshaun Watson's composure when he first came into the league, right? Mm-hmm. And the guy just goes out there with a not-care attitude, honestly. Yeah. And so he's just trying to win a game, and he's a competitor. And it, I love to see that, and it, it makes it tough for defenses to contain him. He's good at scrambling, making plays with either his feet or scrambling outside the pocket and throwing throwing balls downfield, getting out of sacks as well, too. So that'll be challenging. So we've got to be able to contain him. Seeing him grow over the you know course of the season since we last seen him, he's done exactly that. His yeah. confidence has definitely been boosted more and more and more, and he's been more confident in his level of play and just making some some – hell five plays out there it's actually impressive for a rookie and so i think they've done a great job as far as getting him ready to play week to week and you know he's really uh embraced the embrace his role as far as that goes and so we're gonna have to contain him in the pocket allow him to play quarterback get him rattled off the spot really come yeah, we gotta we gotta be humming but first of all we gotta take care of that run so we turn him into a one-dimensional team how hard is it to be humming against that offensive line what have you seen from them man the group there are some holes in, in the group that you can take advantage of on one-on-ones and things like that. They're, they're still solid at the end of the day, no, no doubt. And you cannot underestimate your opponent because that one time, you know, they're, they're, they will get you yeah. and flatten you on your back, no question. And so we've got to be great up front, run some stunts, things, things of that nature. And so I think all we got to do is just be conscientious of our rush so mm-hmm. we don't get broken off for like a 20-yard run by Minshew himself. You've seen a lot of variations of the AFC South in your time as a Texan. I think this has got to be the toughest, most rugged version of it, you know, midway through the season that you've ever seen, right? Yeah. All four teams are above or at 500. Yeah. It's a pretty tough division, man. It is. It is. And, you know, since my time coming into the league, you know, there's been some 
there's been one team that's always dominated, uh-huh. of course, the Colts and whatnot. And so, but over the course of years, as these teams have built themselves up, you know, with the rosters, with the coaches, the staff, and things of that nature, it's being it's become super, super competitive uh, over the last few years or so. Then that's exactly what you're seeing right now. Whitney Merciless, it's always a pleasure talking with you. Best of luck in London against the Jaguars. Knock them dead, and we'll talk to you again very, very soon, okay? Yes, sir. Appreciate it. All right, so, Johnny, Whitney Merciless has to rush the passer well, and he's been doing that well, so that's good news. Setting the edge, yep, putting pressure on the quarterback. He's going to need some help from his friends to get the job done the rest of the way. Never mind Sunday, it's the rest of the way. I do like that. All right, Watt's been gone a week. We mentioned that they held the Raiders to 10 points after he left the game. That was not bad at all considering where that game appeared to be headed for a while before they found their rhythm. And now you have to get Amanahu and Martin and everybody else involved and Scarlett, of course, and have them do a good job up front. Well, the one friend that I think has a bigger spotlight to make sure that Whitney has a good day Sunday is Romeo Cornell. Because I do think that Romeo is going to – he's going to be – I think Romeo was already looking for ways to get Whitney free. But now with J.J. out, I think it gives him the opportunity to move Whitney to a lot of different places and let Whitney find an advantage for himself. And that might be over a guard. It might be over the center. Uh, it might be working the outside. It might be working some twists and stunts with the men who the guys you, you already mentioned. And you're right, Scarlett, Amanahu, those guys are playing a big role. Uh, but I think Romeo plays a huge role in what Whitney is able to do on Sunday against the Jags. It is a good offensive line, a very good offensive line. Cam Robinson's back at left tackle. And Juwan Taylor was a guy that you know I, I really like Juwan Taylor. Uh, he played for a buddy of mine in high school, uh, at, uh, down in high school at Cocoa Beach High School, uh, Cocoa High School, and just a tremendous player. And his knee, kind of concerns about his knee, just like Miles Jack dropped him in the second round. The Jags are like, oh, we'll take him. And he's a, he is a rock-solid right tackle. And when I look at these two teams, that's the one thing that sort of stands out when I look at them is that they've got two tackles for the next how many ever years in Cam Robinson and Juwan Taylor and Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard. Set it and forget it. As Ron Papil said, those guys are your tackles for a long time. Now, Tunsil is, I think, a much better player than Cam Robinson, but Cam Robinson will hold his own, and I think he's done a little bit better than I even expected him to do. But Whitney's going to have to face Cam Robinson tomorrow, and he's got to bring out his full array of moves against that big fella. It's mind-boggling to me that you have Minshew playing in Jacksonville. You have Brissett playing in Indy. You have Tannehill now starting in ten- at Tennessee, and you have a division where everybody's 500 or above. Yeah. This should be, I'm not going to say it should be a cakewalk. Oh, wait a minute, I just said it. Yeah. Like, if you told me this back in May, guess what, Mark? It's Tannehill, Minshew, and Brissett. What do you think? First of all, I'd say, who's Minshew? Yeah. Second of all, I would say, <laughs> that should be a two- or three-game lead at the halfway point. Yeah. However, you're in second. And I'm not saying this to say anything against the Texans. But I'm really propping up the competition here. Give them credit. They've done a good job. These are solid teams in your division. I know the competition hasn't been spectacular for the Jags and Titans but and the Colts last week as well. But give them credit for winning these games. Yeah, no doubt. Now, to your point, and that was going to be mine, the Titans have Carolina on the road, Kansas City, a bye week, then Jacksonville, at Indy, at Oakland, us twice, and the Saints. That's Reality is going to hit Tennessee <laughs> yeah. at some point and yeah. hit him right square in the face. Jacksonville's schedule coming into this game wasn't all that difficult. After they lost to the Saints, they had the Bengals and the Jets. Well, they won those two games. After the bye week, they go to Indy. They go to Tennessee. 
Then they get Tampa Bay. They get the Chargers. Then they're at Oakland, at Atlanta. Atlanta's been garbage, but you never know when they can find it. And then they play the Colts. So they play the Colts twice over the last half of the season in addition to the Chargers, Raiders, uh, etc. The Jaguars' schedule is much easier than the Titans. But that's where we're going to separate the wheat from the chaff, if you will. And they got a decision to make. What do you do with Nick Foles? What are you going to do with Nick Foles with Gardner Minshew going? This is a huge game for him on Sunday. Well, if Minshew plays great, I keep Minshew. If it's yeah. just okay, i got to go to Foles. I paid him a lot of money. That's my thought anyway. I know a lot of people disagree. Next, we'll see if, if we agree on this weekend's games. You and I never really have a chance to no. flesh out the games before they happen. So let's do, let's it. do it next on Texans Radio from London. Texans Radio from London. Hello, mate. Wait, that's Australian. We're at the Barrel Boy and Banker, downtown London, Texans Radio, doing the Friday night thing here as we want to bring you to London with us, or we'll bring London to you, or some version of that. Go to HoustonTexans.com or follow the Texans on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We've got all the London content there. In fact, tomorrow night, our TV shows, Texans Extra Points and Texans Buzz, both with plenty of London stuff. Extra Points is from London. Most of Buzz is and you can get a closer look there on your flat screen. But to check out your phone for all the other visuals here from London. Fun it's, stuff, isn't it's it? It's been fun. It's been a blast. I mean, you and I do extra points today out at the London Irish Rugby Center where yeah. their team was practicing. That was really How about I mean, that? All cool. those rugby fields. You know, we were thinking, is this one club? They use that facility for a lot of tournaments right. and things like that. And the London Irish, I never even heard of them until right. now, but... That's a heck of a facility, so they got a few bucks to well, play rugby. Well, were you and I talking about this? I think we may have been talking about this. You know, the one thing about having all those fields is the London Irish have a top team. Right. Then they've got, you know, sort of like high school has a, a varsity, oh, yeah. a JV, a sophomore. Yeah. They kind of have that same thing, but they're all filtered through the London Irish program. Right. You know, and that's what which club, is the way sports should be the, everywhere. The club team concept. You yep. know, my team, Manchester City. I mean, yeah. they have that. They have a Manchester City Academy. They start with the kids that are like six, seven years old. Right. You know, and they're getting kids that are coming through that organization, that academy, and they go up all all through the rankings. And they play together, and they end up. I, I don't. I can't disagree with you about that. I think it's a fantastic thing. I mean, it's it's counter to what we. Grew up with, yeah. and it's so much fun to have the school right. passion and everything. And as we talk about that, next segment, I want to get some of your thoughts on this NCAA stuff with oh, the yeah. image and likeness profitability potential. Ooh. All right, let's get to this, though. NFL games, a lot of people like to profit from these. Uh, so we talked a lot about the Jaguars and Texans, and we don't pick that one, but we've given you a lot of that matchup, and we'll continue to do it before the close of business here tonight. But some of the other games taking place, we talked about the Colts and the Steelers, I think, probably enough. I think the Colts probably win that game, but the Steelers have enough juice to win it. That could be real tight going down the stretch. I think the Colts had a classic trap game scenario yeah. last week with the Broncos. I, I agree with you. And anytime you face the Steelers, that's going to bring the best out of you. Yeah, I think. I think it's going to bring uniform, the best out of you. uniform. I don't care how they're doing in their building. I mean, it just brings the best out of you. The Steelers are a one-point favorite, which I'm a little bit surprised by that. Mm, I well. think. I think if. Now, if I were the firing type, I would fire on the other side because I do think the Colts well, are going to win this That's one, the thing, not. though, Johnny, because if you made the Colts favored by anything, Vegas knows this, You're gonna all really the money's going to come in on the Pittsburgh side to yep. cover. So they had to do it like that. Yep. Is right. the Jets-Dolphins game the worst game in the history, in the history of, football? of the NFL? Now, it was pretty close a few weeks ago. It was the Dolphins and the Redskins. And it actually turned that, out to be a close game at the end. A failed two-point conversion cost the Dolphins a win. Right. But well, these you're two talking pre-matchup. 
These two teams are garbage. Okay, I, I know what you're saying. The Redskins-Dolphins game on paper looked worse to me than this. You know what? I know that's a Super Bowl rematch, two Super Bowls, right? Yeah. But so what? That was so long ago, a lot of these people don't remember who are NFL consumers now. But to me, the Jets and the Dolphins, even though they're both having terrible years, that's a rivalry game. Yeah. So oh, there's something about absolutely. that. But, the, you know, I hate to say it, the Dolphins are tanking so miserably oh. – that and and look, so I say bad. that without having actual proof, except for the third and twenty last week. That looked like proof. Exhibit and A, counselor. There it is. Who, who tweeted? Here's a diagram of what the Dolphins were doing, and they drew a picture of a tank on the Telestrator in the giant gap. It was awesome. It that, was so good. That was great. The game's in Miami, and the Jets are favored by three. Now, I, well, of course I will you're going to favor them. I watched. I watched obviously the game last week. The Jets playing the Jag. The Jets had opportunities in that game. They had opportunities. What scares me a little bit about the Jags is the Jags just said, you know what, we're going to blitz Darnold's. They can't handle it. And they did. And Donald turned it over. They scored the very next play. And it went from being a game they could have scored and tied to now you're down two touchdowns oh, and you got no c- chance. Come on and blitz Watson. Because as soon as he gets that's out. I, that's what I said. Yeah. You'll, he'll find the open guy. You're going to pay the price. I, uh, I think the Jets will win that game. But it would not surprise me. The only reason it would surprise me if the Dolphins won, I would say, oh, my gosh, they are interested in winning a game. And now they're going to blow their number one pick maybe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've got a question for you. Yeah. Just out of curiosity. Oh, okay. I, I know why it's so late. I thought this was a Sunday night game. The Packers go to play the Chargers, and I saw 9.25 p.m., and I realized it's oh, picking up London yeah, time. It's picking up London time. I was like, how did the Chargers get two Sunday night games in that band box against the Steelers and Packers? But yeah. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, 7-1, Chargers 3-5. and five. The Packers favored by 3.5. I might be willing to fire on the other side of the Chargers. I don't know. There's something about that. I think the Chargers are kind of a mess, but... I just think at home they got they're gonna find the secret sauce no, no, at some point. It's at Green Bay, I think. No, it's at it's at the Chargers. Oh, what it's at am the I Chargers. Looking at here, Jeez. It's at the Chargers. Okay. All right, so it's at the Chargers. We'll see how that fares. I'm gonna fire the Chargers. I think the Packers win it, but the Chargers keep it close. So I would pick the Packers to win, but the Chargers to get inside that number. That I, three and a half is a little too rich for me. Should we go Randolph and Mortimer on this Ooh, one? Okay. I'm going to say Green Bay by 10 in this oh, game. Okay. All right. Let's do the it. The usual amount, Dollar. Randolph. <laughs> the okay. usual amount. Let's All do right. it. Patriots go to Ravens on Sunday night. Right, this that's is the one. Yeah, we're I all love this matchup. I love it because Bill Belichick has been running the defense for the Patriots. Yeah. And – Every challenge in his career as a defensive play caller, you know, the 90s Bills, you know, he had a he had a game plan that said, let Thurman Thomas carry it all night. We got to shut down the receivers. The 49ers, the, the week before that NFC Championship game in the West Coast offense, the Bears the week before that when they were pounding the ball. He's come up with a defensive game plan throughout his career. I mean, the Rams in 2001, he and Romeo came up with that plan in the Super Bowl. But this is a whole different animal with Lamar Jackson. It is, and he can do things when things break down. He can make them break down on purpose sometimes and break you down. This is one I really wish I could watch, and we're not going to be able to. We'll be in the air for this game. So let's just see how it plays out. I'm actually rooting for the Ravens because I want turmoil in the AFC, and they can help create it. Then you can take care of your business by playing them and beating them there. Look, they lost to Cleveland at home, but I think they are capable of so much better. They're having a good year. 
So let's see how they handle it. I just, you're right about Belichick and, and the defensive coordinator position that he's he's always really held. I'm sorry, even when Patricia, whoever else, is coaching the D, Belichick has his thumbprints all over the game plan. And what I always go back to this. The Texans coaching staff in the Kubiak era, when they were getting ready to play the Patriots in 12, and one of the offensive coaches told me he's still one of the greatest defensive coordinators, yep, if not the is. greatest ever. And that's what you're dealing with as the head coach. What Was it last week's game or the game before where he pulled the whole defense together on the sideline and just eliminated the head coach thing for a moment and was the coordinator right. on the sideline with the defense? Wouldn't you have loved to hear what he was saying to them yeah. in that particular moment? Whatever it was, it worked. It's pretty fascinating because if you think about what's happened to him on the defensive side of the ball, over the last couple of years, he's lost Matt Patricia. He's lost Brian Flores. Yeah. Uh, he lost his D-line coach. Doesn't matter. He's got Gerard Mayo, who was doing uh, media two years ago. He's got him coaching linebackers. I got a feeling he's going to turn defense over to Mayo at some point. His son, Steve Belichick Jr., uh, Steve Belichick, is coaching the safeties. Like, it's not as it, Brett Bielema. Remember him in Arkansas? Yeah. He's coaching the D-line. I mean, these are guys that haven't been together for a long time. And yet, he's got it going. And I want to just see the plan he comes up with to stop Lamar because that offense and how fast he is and what he can do with the ball, you can scheme up a lot of different things. But, man, I don't know that there's a guarantee that you can stop Lamar fully. But what I want to see is how he attacks him in the throwing game. Like, what does he do right. in the passing game to make things tough for Lamar? And then as soon as he stops him, everybody's going to freak out and say, Belichick's so great, which he is. But Lamar's not where – he can be as a passer and will be in the future. All right, give me another game. Okay. Uh, we talked about Titans and Panthers already. Okay, here's one. I, this one, it matches two teams that aren't over 500 yet. But I'm intrigued by this because there's always going to be a connection between Mitchell Trubisky right. and Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Trubisky takes the Bears into Philly. Philly is a four-point favorite at home. Now, I know that Philly has not been great, but Philly went up to Buffalo and beat a 5-1 and one team and beat them up. That was a surprise to me. And Ran I picked Buffalo over. in that game, and I almost I, convinced McLean to go against his gut pick of Philly. He was right. Congratulations, General. Yeah, but they go into – and not only did they go in and beat Buffalo, they ran it for well over 200 yards on Buffalo, yeah, which – Which is weird. I'm Very weird. But now the Bears come in. The Bears have got some defense, but Trubisky just, to me, I can't – I can't come to grips with what he's going to do. And I know at some point, because we used to get asked questions about that. Hey, guys, is Coach O'Brien going to continue with Osweiler? Is he going to continue with Hoyer? Is he going to continue with this quarterback? When those questions get asked, it basically means no one's got answers to it. And the defense then starts to get frustrated because it feels like we've got to make every stop. We've got to make every play because we know offensively they're not going to get it done. I think Philly wins this by well more than four. All right, next up. A little bit from our buddy J.P. Shadrick on this matchup. And, look, we want to go Jags heavy as far as the scouting goes. And some of this stuff is just so valuable from people who have been here to London many times, what to look out for, what not to look out for. It's going to be Sunday at Wembley Stadium. Don't forget, 8.30 kickoff. One more segment coming your way on Texans All Access. Hello again, Texans, and we are in a downtown London pub. Barrow Boy and Banker, it's called. And I've looked at so many pictures of this place to scout out where we'd be broadcasting. 
and I never even thought we'd be where we are. So that goes to show you, you can prepare all you want. You just don't know how things are going to go. It's nuts in here with all these Texans who have come overseas, and this is just a smidge of them. This city is peppered with people wearing the bullhead, and it is a delight. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. It really is fun to see, John. It's cool. When you said that, I started like, wow, I got chills when you said that because it is. You come support their team. I know a lot of these fans are also Astros fans, and so I've talked to a number of them that were on a flight, and they didn't know what happened to the Astros. They took off. They were up 2-0. They didn't know what happened until they landed. You know, but they came over here, wanted to support the Texans. And man, they are in here in full effect. I mean, it's it's been really, really cool to see. It has been indeed, and it continues to be. And tomorrow is going to be another big day of prep. I'll put that in air quotes for these fans as they get ready to see their team take on the Jaguars Sunday morning at 8.30 at Wembley Stadium. And Wembley, by the way, is a historic name for a stadium but this is a rebuild of the stadium in 07 yeah they put it back up uh the old place had a lot of memories had some nfl games preseason, yeah. but they went to the regular season schedule here once they built the new joint it's a beautiful looking stadium i, I was talking to drew earlier drew went on a tour our buddy joe palace who was shooting a little bit at the beginning he uh, also had a chance to go on that tour and they were really impressed really impressed with what has come out of there's a part of me and you know how i am i love all the old stadiums like one of my favorites to go to is the oakland Media coliseum and we'll never go back there at least not in the near future i love going in there because of all the history that was in that yep. that building that's i i love that i would like to have walked into wembley and gone all right that's where freddie mercury played live aid that's yeah. where you know this is where live aid happened you know all that kind of stuff that was, you know, the great soccer matches that always taking place. And Wembley still carries that name, especially in the, in the soccer community. Oh, it's Wembley. Well, you know, it, Wembley's it, a big deal. It's kind of like Madison Square Garden has yes. the same name. It's a great, yes. And a rebuild of the old garden, which had so many great events and boxing and all this yep. other stuff. Even in uh, the Cinderella Man movie, James Braddock, yeah, yeah, yeah. his biopic, they have the garden in there. They have yeah, they Friday do. Night Fights at the Garden yep. or whatever. It's great stuff. But this is cool because you have so much NFL action happening lately. I thought, and I wrote about this this week on the Daily Brew on Wednesday, I thought that this might be one of the first, if not the first, division games overseas. But, no, there have been five. And as recently as a couple of weeks ago yeah. when you had the Panthers beat the Bucks, So, yep. hey, it happens. And the Texans, of course, had the Mexico City game in 2016. You want to talk historic stadiums. That was cool wow. to be in Estadio Azteca, even though the place is not exactly state-of-the-art. You think about the hand of God. You think about yep. some of the other great events they've had there. My goodness. So it's a treat to be here for us. And we're taking you along for the ride on Texans media, radio, TV, all our social media stuff. You know, Clint Sterner said something the other day uh, to me. It was something that I had heard him say prior to. And I think about this a lot because we both got into football because we, we love it. You love what you do. I love what I do. We love doing it together. And I think about I've been in the building since 14. The places that I've been because of football because of the nfl i mean we're here tonight because we're playing a game against the jacksonville jaguars we're in london i mean i've been to london and mexico city and san francisco yep. and new york and all these tremendous cities around the world because of football yep. and i mean it's just amazing and clint talked about that he said you know i was from the wrong side of the tracks basically in baytown and i never thought that i would be able to see the things that i have in my life 
but because of the game of football, I played at Arkansas. I played with the Dallas Cowboys. I played in places around the world. He played in Amsterdam. Um, he played, you know, I asked him whether they played in London or played in this area, and he said, no, they played in Scotland. You know, he talked about that experience. So, I mean, it just is incredible what football ends up doing for all of us. I mean, you think all these fans here. Yeah. Like, we don't – I said this, you know, speaking at a, at a Battle of Pinewoods function. I said, you know, without Bob McNair, none of this, like, none of us, none of us are here. Yeah. You know, without Bob, we don't, we don't have any of this. We're not, the traveling Texans don't exist. We don't, we exist, but we don't exist in this capacity. But, but Bob made that possible. And Jamie Roots likes to say that nothing brings people together like the sport of football. Absolutely. You know, maybe over here would be football. Yep. But football in Houston. Houston's the most diverse city in America. People come together with the Houston Texans, and it's such a great rallying point. All right, so you brought up something that was interesting with Clint saying he owes so much to the game. It brought him places he never thought he'd be able to go, seeing things he's thought he, well, he thought he would never be able to see. But, Johnny, let me go here with this. It applies to the NCAA thing yeah. this week about being able to make money on your likeness or whatever, endorsement possibilities for NCAA athletes. Friends of mine in college football have always said, look, I think the education does have tremendous value. I think for some players, it's not enough of a compensation point for them. I think for most it is, but for some it isn't. What do you make of the new ruling and how it's going to play out? Well, I always go back to a story that Chris Weber told Mitch Albin. And, and look, I do think yeah. there was some hypocr hypocrisy with Chris Weber and some of the things he said, but he had gone into a McDonald's and he had placed an order and the, the woman said, okay, that'll be, you know, $8 or whatever it was. He reached his pocket. He realized he only had five. And he said, hey, okay, uh, take this off and take this off. And he said, you know what, Mitch, I got to do that. And you look across, there's the bookstore selling my jersey. Yeah. Now, his name's not on the jersey, but selling his jersey number for 100 bucks. It's Michigan number four. Well, you know that's Chris Weber. Yeah. And the only reason people are buying it is because it is Chris Weber. And I know there are a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of people. Are, and I, I think about the, that part of it. But there's, you know, people are buying T-shirts. They're buying jerseys with numbers of a player. Why did Texas A&M fans buy jerseys that said number two on them? Yeah. It, was, it was one guy. Yeah. It was one guy. And we live in a free marketplace in the United States that if there's value there, you know, if somebody wants to pay for your autograph, you should be able to make money for that. I don't care what role God you have God bless them if life. they want to. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. I just think it's going to be very hard to regulate. We'll that's see the how tough, that That's the hard out. part. Yeah. That's the hard part is now how do you regulate. But at least I will say this. They're thinking about what they can do to regulate it. Yeah. And they, listen, they've had handshake, $100 handshakes and side agreements of for course. years. And they've never been able to, to regulate that perfectly. Yep. They won't be able to regulate this perfectly. But maybe with some of this, the players are going to say, look, I can do it above board or I can take this under the table payment. Yep. And maybe they choose to do it above board now and you don't have some of that hangers-on get involved that don't need to be there. All right, let's get to our buddy from the Jaguars, J.P. Shadrick. He covers them pre- and post-game, does a whole bunch of Jags media. We love him. And he visited with D.P. about some things in regard to this matchup Sunday at Wembley. Let's talk about Gardner Minshew now. He's got 13 touchdowns, two interceptions, and he's broken, I don't know, like a million more rookie records since the Texans faced him in week two. How have you seen him progress over the last seven games? What's changed about, about Minshew now that he's got some more experience under his belt? 
Uh, it's funny. I, I, there's not a lot. I mean, he's seen probably a few more different looks on defense. There's going to be something that surprises him here and there, right? And a different look or a different blitz concept or whatever. But he's still the same guy he was in Houston week two. And in week one when he came in against Kansas City, well, now you just have a little more um, belief that something good's going to happen. Then you had no idea. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with this kid, right? And then he drives down the field and scores a touchdown in Houston. And if it wasn't for the two-point try, then, you know, you go to overtime, who knows? But um, they lost that football game. But you saw a little spark, and then it happened again. And then they go to Denver and win. And he rallies them back from a late score that the defense gave up. And they went on the road in Denver, tough place to play. So he's doing things. He's he's um, He's got great awareness of the scheme, and where guys are going to be, he when he's pressured, he can keep his head up and look downfield. He's great in his progressions. I think that, that keeping the head up thing is really important because especially for a rookie quarterback, I mean, you're used to a guy ducking and, and, and covering, right, for when there's pressure. Um, any flash of the other color jersey, he's going to go down, right? Well, this guy gets out of the way, keeps it alive somehow, keeps his eyes downfield, and receivers get open and make plays for him, too. So you have all that combination together. It is exciting to watch. I'm curious how much longer we'll get to watch it. And that's the big debate, DP, down here right now. I was, you, you're leading into my next question, JP. Nick Foles. Jump, yeah, no, no, you're down. reading my mind. He's, it's about that time for Nick Foles, so it's, it's going to be a pretty big decision for the Jags. Where do you see it going? He's, he's eligible week 11. Okay, so I think officially it would be eligible week 10, but the Jags have a bye that week. So week 11 against the Colts. So if Minshew comes out and throws for 350 and three touchdowns in Wembley on Sunday against the Texans and gets a win against the division rival and the Jags are 5-4 and four, and he's 5-3 and three as a starter, can you pull him out? Uh, well, this offense was built for Nick Foles, right? I mean, so the, the, do you ride the wave – and try to get through the middle part of this season with a hot quarterback and a defense that's starting to come into its own, or do you shake it up and put Foles in there and hope he's at his peak performance, you know, in a time where he has to be, right? Because if they don't get through the middle part of this schedule, the next month, December won't matter because you're going to lose three division games, then you're not going to be, you know, the, the, the five games in December, three at home, well, you're, you're playing uphill the rest of the way. So it's really about what gives them the best chance to win the next month's worth of, worth of games. And then they'll figure it out. If they try him and he at some point does fail and doesn't look as sharp, then you make the move. Because I think if you, if you make the move and unmake the move, then you're flopping quarterbacks and you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. That's a whole issue. Um, for me, I, I'm kind of split. I'll be honest with you. It, it's really tough. And the analysts here that we have on our shows, they, it's you just don't have a feel for it yet. And Doug Marone says publicly he hasn't thought about it. I think that's a lie. I think he has a gut feeling what he wants to do. But, hey, it's a hot hand. And then you got a, a guy who's come off the bench in key situations late in seasons before to lead a team to the promised land. So, I, who knows? I, the next two weeks will be just fascinating to see what they come up with with that. It's funny that Nick Foles always finds himself in that situation where even if he's right? meant to be the starter, he's going to come off the bench in December or a time like may, maybe he will, maybe he won't for Jacksonville and uh, make things happen. I know the Texans saw him last year against Philly, and boy, does he look good late in the season, i got to sure. say. All right, let's no talk about, before I let you go, Leonard Fournette. We saw what, he, what he's done over the last few years, but, man, he's really having a season. Leads the AFC, ranks second in the NFL with – 
791 rushing yards on the season. What are your thoughts on the season that he's having so far? Do you think he sustains it for the rest of the year? He's well on his way. You know, the one thing, he just hasn't scored much. He's had one touchdown all year. So that's bothering him, you can tell. He's just a different cat altogether. And I'm not just talking about on the field. That's obvious with the numbers. And he's leading the league in attempts as well. I mean, they're running him a lot. And he's got a great average, and he's getting good yardage out of it and production and everything. But his attitude and the way he goes about his day-to-day business has changed. you got to remember, the last time we saw Leonard Fournette in 2018, he's sitting on the bench down there in your place and with T.J. Yeldon alongside him, sitting on the bench during offensive drives. You know, he wasn't active. T.J. was. And they were just kind of – it was a moping, basically. And Tom Coughlin made a public statement after the game chastising both of them, basically, right? So he's in the doghouse, basically, at that point. Then he goes to Wyoming to to go with his old college strength and conditioning coach to kind of get away from New Orleans, get away from here, see if he can get back on track physically. He'd gotten a little big, you know. So that's one thing. Okay, it's a good start. Then he gets arrested in April for um, – uh, a suspended license and some other traffic violations. Kind of a wake-up call. Okay, what am I doing? Like, let me get my thing in order here. And he said, and he said this the other day, actually, that that kind of woke him up. So he's focused a little more on everything off the field, focused more on football. And you can tell, like, he's actually, he's a pleasure to talk to this year. He was not great with the media at all last year. Very short, one-word answers, you know, very, very short. Not not much you're going to get out of him. This year, he's, you can chat him up after the press conference. He's engaged. He's locked in. He's a, he's a different guy. And I think that shows up on the field, too. So everything around him is different. It's an unbelievable turnaround from last year when there was talk of, you got to get this guy out of here, right? Well, now it's what would they be without him? They wouldn't be four and four. I could tell you that, even with what Gardner Minshew's doing, it's a dramatic turnaround, and it's I think it's saved at least the first half of the season. And I I don't see any signs of it slowing down. All right, Johnny, on the way out, let's get to some keys here. Sunday, what's it going to take to go six and three? The Texans have been six and three before. They were six and three last year. Yep, they were six and three in 2016. Six and three is a good start after nine. Let's see if they can get it. What's it going to take? Well, I think on the offense, on the defensive side, you can't allow Minshew Mania to go running wild over you, and that is Gardner Minshew creating outside the pocket. Gap discipline on the run defense. You got to do that. You got to be hugged up on receivers. You cannot allow those rub routes to just knock you off. You cannot allow that this week. You've been at this now for a few weeks of seeing. All that because you're playing a lot of man. Right. You've got to be able to get in a hip pocket and run and not get picked off. How do you Absolutely. do that with some of the losses or the absences you have on these back end? Well, you can still play man, but you've got to hug up on these guys. You've got to get up on these guys and make sure if you're going to run a crossing route that I'm not going to give room. I'm going to go cut that room off right. so that you don't get picked off. And if they do pick you off at that point, it'll end up being OPI. So that's one thing you got to do. On the offensive side of the ball, I think establishing the physical mindset that you did in the first yeah. half against them, doing that again. And then figure out who's covering DeAndre Hopkins and how are they going to cover him. Is it going to be Boye one-on-one? Is it going to be Trey Herndon with some help? Uh, and then attack it early and see what you can get out of it. And then if you don't get much out of it, then you've got other weapons that you can go to. And do not forget about your RPO packages in Darren Fells. 
What do we see every week about this offense, though? Every week, score early. Yes. Score your first drive for the yes, first time please. this year. Wouldn't that be great? Grab an early lead and go ahead and take it to them. Right. You know, too many times, and look, they've won five games. They've lost three, but too many times they're down. they got to come back. There's a lot of pressure. Look, it's fine. They've responded to it more often than yep. not. That's terrific. But wouldn't it be great to not be in that position, to be in the position of having a lead right. and just taking care of business, maybe getting up two scores right. and put it, pushing the pedal to the metal and riding into the finish. That would be fun. That would be fun. I would like to have a calm, cool game. But I said to you and Andre in a break right before kickoff as we were getting ready to go, I was like, all right, buckle up because it's going to be three hours of three hours plus of highly intense, stressful football. And it's going to be like that tomorrow. But if you come out and hit them right in the mouth a few times and you back off Saxonville a little bit, keep doing it. Keep taking it to them and, and see how they're going to respond. See how Gardner Minshew is going to respond. And then don't take your foot off the throat. Don't yes. take your foot off the throat. All right, Johnny, thank you. You got it, Mark. Uh, that's going to do it here. We can barely hear ourselves at the Barrow Boy and Banker. It's like third down at NRG Stadium <laughs> during a playoff game, the intensity here. And I'm not exaggerating. This place is deafening, and it's fun to be here with all these Texans fans. And it's been fun to visit with you this Friday night. HoustonTexans.com for all the coverage, all the social media channels. ABC 13 tomorrow after the local news. Tomorrow morning, you've got, with that's with the TV shows, by the way, Texans Extra Points and Texans Buzz. And tomorrow morning, 8.30 on Local 2, it's Texans game day. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans. Texans.